for you. We're going to talk about angels again. We talked about the angel of the Lord about three weeks ago, and I was stunned at how few of you had heard about him, and, and I was thrilled with how excited you were and how you came up afterwards with a bunch of questions, and several of you said that I'd mentioned a part two that I'd done years before, and you said, would you do that here? So we're going to do a modified version of that part two. We're going to look at every single ex uh, example, appearance of the angel of the Lord this morning. So um, whew, you picked a bad day, frankly. No, no, we'll do this. We'll do this with alacrity. If you don't know what alacrity is, that's why God made Google. Uh, check that out. There are a lot of books about angels out there. If you, if you ever really want to realize how odd and weird the world is, go look in the metaphysics New Age section. And it's a weird world. Don't believe anything in the section. Not a thing, but it's there. And one of the things that the books will tell you is things like how to find your angel or how to speak to the angel that's assigned to you. And if you read the books, you would believe that angels are everywhere among us and they are aching for interaction with us. Or at least with the very special ones that he will speak or she will, you know, the, the angels will speak to you, but not to your neighbor because you've been blessed and you're very special. But if you read scripture, you notice something. Angels aren't interested in talking to you. Angels aren't interested in you knowing their name. Angels aren't interested in having a relationship with you and going to the prom. They're not interested. They are there to do God's work. And in fact, once we leave Adam and Eve thrown out the garden and angels are there, they're angel-like creatures, the cherubim. Uh, they're actually much more terrifying and begging, big than, than angels are there to guard the garden, we hear nothing about angels for many, many years of human history. In fact, the vast majority of human history occurs between Genesis 1 and Genesis 11. That's where most of human history has been. The rest of us past then has been very, very short compared to that time. So many thousands of years before an angel shows up again, and it's a mysterious angel. Not your average angel. It's referred to as the angel of the Lord. Now, a while ago, when I did the announcement for the Alzheimer's seminar, in case you forgot, in which case you really need to be here Tuesday. Um, the, sorry. I had a friend that said she was trying to get her mom to come, but as soon as she brought it up, the mom got very insulted. You know, why are you trying to animate this, that, and the other? And no matter what she said, the mom would not get not be mollified. And so I said, what you should have said is, Mom, we've had this discussion three times. To, uh, and just that, that, you know, sow the doubt. Sow the doubt and unease. As long as there's doubt and unease, I have a job. So anyway, I referred to the Ohio State University. Now that's a bit of a conceit. I'm aware of that. But it's not Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. One of the reasons is there are lots of other universities in Ohio. There's Ohio University, and uh, there's even Miami University, which doesn't belong there at all. Uh, but it's a little town called Miami. Uh, there are all of those, and so you have the Ohio State University. Well, there are lots of angels out there, but there's only one, the angel of the Lord. In Genesis 16, we looked at some of these before, but I said we're going to look at all of them. The ones we looked at before, we're going to hit quickly and move on. Genesis 16, the angel comes to Hagar. 
you need to understand who Hagar is. Hagar was a slave in Egypt when Abraham passed through. She was already either taken as captive or sold by her family or destitute and taken into slavery. She was already a slave in a foreign land. How do we know it was foreign to her? Because the name Hagar means foreigner. She was already called the foreigner in Egypt. So here comes a Jewish man. They're not really known as Jews yet. They're known as Hebrews. But he comes through, and there's a problem. We're not going to get into the whole story between him and the king and Sarah, Abraham's wife. The king gets very nervous about it and says, here, I'm going to give you presents. And he gives Abraham part of the present is a foreign slave whose name we don't know, just Hagar, the foreign woman. I want you to think about her. I want you to think about her. I want you to think about the girl at the dance that's never asked to dance. I want you to think about the slave women who have died throughout history, and there are actually more slaves in the world now than have ever been. Are you aware of that? And you don't know their names. They've lost, they have no rights. They are a piece of property given to Abraham and then forced. We don't know how willingly, we have no idea. But because of the power differential, you, you can't say willingly. Forced to bear his child, a man she did not know, did not love, who was passing through and she was given away for how many times? We don't know before, but at least this time, one more time, given away to a man she didn't know, forced to bear his child. That's Hagar. Her life is awful. And then after she's born the child, you would think they would be happy because that's what they wanted, but they're not. His real wife kicks her out and force, well, forces him to kick her out, and he has no spine, so he kicks her out into the desert with his son. And the angel of the Lord, the first time in Scripture, appears then. I find that to be extremely important, that that's when he shows up. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. And the word Lord there is Yahweh, Jehovah. You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. This verse gives me more hope than almost any other verse in the Old Testament. This woman was not seen. She didn't have a name. What she wanted didn't matter. Nothing about her mattered except to God. He was the one who crossed the floor and asked her to dance when no one else would. He was the one who stopped along the street and turned and looked at her and said, I want to help you. Out of all of these people, I want to help you. Now that is an angel we might want to know about. We looked at a handful of these appearances before, but you might want to scribble down notes because we're going to hit them, all of them, we're going to hit them fast. This wonderful angel, Jesus among us, Emmanuel, God with us, shows even this woman who'd been given as a slave to Egypt, given as property to Abraham, required to bear him a son, then driven into the desert, 
that she matters to God. He sees her. No matter how dark your life is, he sees you. But we don't see the angel again, not until Genesis 22. Abraham is told to sacrifice his son, Isaac, Yitzhak, whose name means laughter, because when they told him he's going to have a son, his wife laughed because she was so old thinking, that's not going to happen. And I've heard all in Bible classes that I've always been told, then one day she found she was going to have a baby, and they were so happy. I've always questioned that story. Because if you're in your 90s and pregnant, that seems to me to be problematical. How, how does one throw a shower for you at that stage? How, you know, um, anyway, he's told to sacrifice his son, but Abraham seems to believe that he's going to come back with his son. Because in Genesis 22 and verse 5, he says, we will return soon. Hebrews 11:19 says, it's because Abraham believed that God would raise his son back even from the dead. Who was it that stopped the sacrifice? We looked at this a few weeks ago. Who was it that stopped what Abraham had been told to do? The angel of the Lord. Who has authority to stop what God has told us to do and say, don't do that anymore? The angel of the Lord, the Son of God, Jesus. That matters. I love to see Lamont and Lovey and Sam as a family unit. I love, I love it when families lead us at the table because it's a family table. And to see their love and how they look at their son, I love that. I remember the first time after our son was born that we went back to church, and which was really, really quick because we came from a legalistic church and it didn't matter if flu was around, you took your baby. So we went... And I'll never forget what happened to me when they said the traditional prayer up front about the bread, and then they broke it, and I heard the snap. And I began to shake a little bit, and I don't shake that much. And I began to tear up, and I don't tear up that much. And my wife looked at me, and she goes, what's wrong? And all I could croak out was, not my son. I, I, can't, I can't give my son. Remember whenever he... Um, went off to ship off to the Marine Corps, I couldn't talk for hours. I fell against the door after he left. Not my son. And the thought of all of this love, this son, this is the son that can go to God and say, we're stopping this. We're doing this instead. And God will say, yes, we are. Because of love for the son. You get that, don't you? Maybe you had an awful son. Sorry. But most of us can understand love of a, ch of a child. My daughter has had me wrapped around her wee finger since she was born. And I'm still there. I have no intention of leaving. That's my girl. Oh, she married a guy. And, you know, he preaches somewhere. Um, <laughs> but she's my girl. Whenever she calls and says, like she did this weekend, I'm sick and I'm on my own and the boys need, we're already in the car. The angel of the Lord has that relationship with God. Then, shows up again, Exodus chapters 1 through 3. Just look at that whole section. Shows up in that area. What's he doing? Well, promises have been made. God has promised people of Israel, he will not forget them. But they've been in captivity in Egypt for hundreds of years. 
So this angel of the Lord shows up to make sure the promises are fulfilled, speaks to Moses out to the burning bush, gives him orders, answers his questions, responds to the name Jehovah, Yahweh, when Moses speaks to him that way. And he promises Moses that he is going to liberate the Israelites and guide them into a new land. Then, here's one we didn't look at last time. Numbers 22. One of the funny stories in Scripture. Funny, tragic, weird. And and the Bible has some of those. Numbers 22. The whole story of Balaam is fascinating. But let's look at these verses, starting at verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. I've come to oppose you. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. I love that. I like the donkey. You, I can do without. And I did say donkey, didn't I? I hate that. But if I use the King James Version, parents get angry at me. I'm trapped. Um, Equine? Equus? Anyway, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I'll go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, You go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with um, Balak's official. Now, what's going on? Balaam is a prophet for hire. You pay him enough, he'll deliver whatever sermon you want. And the king has said, I need you to come up here to curse Israel. Well, God had promised Israel, I'm not going to let anybody curse you. So God's got to get involved in this. So Balaam's riding up on the donkey. And the angel of the Lord shows up. But the donkey is smarter than Balaam. And he sees the angel and Balaam doesn't. And the donkey's going, not going there. And he starts going off the path. Well, this embarrasses the mighty prophet. And if you're thinking, he's already riding on a donkey. Believe it or not, that was considered only the rich and powerful could do that. So he's going off the path and all the people are going, where's the prophet going? He starts beating the donkey. And the donkey finally goes down this way and the angel shows up again. So he goes around this way and the angel, and finally the donkey's trying to get this guy off of him. The donkey's already figured out, the angel here likes me but doesn't like him. So he's trying to scrape him off by a wall, which horses and donkeys will do to you. He's trying to get him off and Balaam hits him again. So the Bible says that the angel of the Lord gave the donkey the power of speech. I love this bit. Because the donkey turns to Balaam and goes, why are you hitting me? And Balaam doesn't go, it's a talking donkey. He, instead, he goes, because you're not going where I need you to go. Which shows Balaam's a little slow. <laughs> a little slow on the uptake. I don't care how much they paid you to go curse Israel. You can earn a lot more with a talking donkey. But he didn't pick that up. And finally, the angel shows up and says, you know something? You come up against me again. I'm going to kill you, but I like the donkey. Donkey shows more sense than you do. Now, that's a brilliant story. And we could go on and on about the cursing and the blessing, but the Bible just says, this angel says, you're opposing me, and I'm stopping it. This is God, Emmanuel, 
God with us. This brings us to Judges chapter 2. The first seven verses, but let's read the first five verses. Let's put those up. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. Is there any doubt this is not just an angel? This is God. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of the land, but you shall break down their altars, yet you have dis disobeyed me. Why have you done this? I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, so they called that place Bokim, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Now, when you read in your Bibles, most of you in your Anglicized Bibles will come across the word Lord, and it's all in capitals. What that means is that's the name Jehovah or Yahweh. It is the name for God, and that's who had talked to them. This is an amazing passage. In the New Testament, we're told... God and Jesus, and they'll even say Jesus led you out. Jesus was that pillar of fire and cloud. Jesus was the water from the rock. And now we know. We put them together. It, it, this is Jesus walking among us. In fact, the Bible says so many times, no man has ever seen the Father. No man has ever heard his voice. Well, they're seeing him all through the Old Testament, so who are they seeing? They're seeing the Son. We're seeing the sun. Then same, same book, Judges, chapter 6, verses 11 through 22. One of my favorite passages, it's the story of Gideon, and don't get me started. Because once I start talking about Gideon, it's so fun. The, the, the Midianites are the bad guys. This is a Western. It's a Western. The Midianites are the bad guys, and they've been riding through, shooting up the town, taking all the weapons away, and the people are terrified, taking all the land away, stolen the goods and the like, and... And so Gideon is underground threshing grain, which threshing grain is a horribly dirty job. You need to be out where the wind is to blow the chaff away. And he's hiding, and the angel of the Lord shows up and goes, hey, almighty warrior. I, th I think there are two ways to look at this. One is that God sees your hidden potential. That's the way preachers preach it. The other is God can be sarcastic. Sometimes I go with number two going, hey, almighty warrior. And he goes here, Gideon going, shh, keep it down. And he gets him, eventually turns against the Midianites. He leads this great battle. And I love the step up to the battle about now you have to go tear down this altar, and he does. And then you have to do this, and he does. And then uh, Gideon gets all sciency and let me run a couple of experiments with dew and, and pelts on the, on the ground to see if this is really God. And then he, he musters his men, and God goes, oh, you know what? You've got too many. Really? That's often a problem in military situations. I have too many men on my side. So he's, he, he brings them all down to a very small group of terrified men, and you're wondering, How, why, why do I think they're terrified? Because they're people. First of all, he just said, anybody wants to leave can just raise your hand. And they, they, well, he says, anybody afraid? They raise your hand. They said, you guys can leave. And you know a bunch of people went, oh, I meant to raise mine. Um, oh, no. And then they had the official drinking wrong out of the brook test. And he weeded out a bunch more. 
but the angel of the Lord was with them. And there's a great lesson there. God doesn't need a lot of numbers. God doesn't need our power. I don't care how weak you are. On one side, I do. I'm a human. Your hurt hurts me. I get that. But when it comes to what God can do with you, all right, let's just go King James. Samson was able to kill a thousand people with a jawbone of an ass. And if God can use a jawbone of an ass and a donkey, he probably can use you. And as long as I'm preaching, he's still using a jawbone of an ass as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I know me. That is correct. But the longest passage dealing with the angel of the Lord is Samson. Judges chapters 13 through 16. God tells the Manoah's wife. Now think about this. They live in a society where we don't even get to know them by their names most of the time. Manoah's wife, we, we get the name later, and tells her, you will become pregnant and your son will become a judge over Israel. Manoah isn't certain his wife's telling the truth. And you might think, Manoah, how dare you think your wife's not telling you the truth? Really? Really? Guys, you come in from mowing the lawn or whatever you've been out doing, and, oh, honey, um, you just missed him. An angel came and told me about some stuff we need to take care of. Really? When's he coming back? I'd like to talk to him. There's a, a famous singer, actor in Breton that is, is sometimes called the British Elvis Presley because he had so many hits, was in so many movies, and he was just the culture icon forever. His name is Cliff Richard. And Cliff Richard only had a couple of hits in America. Um, but he uh, is also an avowed Christian, always has been very upfront about his faith. And he, he said, one of the greatest, somebody asked him, what's the most difficult thing for you to deal with with your fame? And he said, at every stop I go to, somebody will come up to me, some woman will come up to me and say, God spoke to her and said, we're supposed to get married. And Cliff always responded, when God tells me, then we'll talk. But something like that's important enough that he talks to me. Well, that's the situation with the birth of Samson. He's going, who is this guy? Well, Whenever he does meet that angel, he even says, what's your name? And the angel goes, you can't handle it. You can't handle the name. Well, we mentioned another one three weeks ago, but the angel of the Lord stopped the punishment that God had decreed. Remember that? In 2 Samuel 24, the same story is told in 1 Chronicles 21. 2 Samuel 24, 1 Chronicles 21. Let's look at this passage out of Chronicles. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. That was the agreement. David had agreed he had done wrong and he chose his punishment and this was the punishment chosen. You've got to understand, he had sinned, there was a punishment declared, God had declared it, God sent the angel. But as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it, the angel of the Lord, and relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Aranua, the Jebusite. And David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword in his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed when sackcloth fell face down. Understand, this angel of the Lord saves us, but he also does have a sword and he knows how to use it. We are to be respectful 
of Jesus. Just a side note here. Don't even do OMG on Facebook or Twitter. Don't throw God's name out there. Don't throw Jesus' name out there. Don't bump your head and say, Jesus Christ. Don't do that. Because the angel of the Lord did not retire. He still walks among us. Don't mess with him. Worship him. Elijah, the angel of the Lord, appears three times to Elijah in that story. 1 Kings 19 is one of those stories where after Elijah wins the great battle in Mount Carmel, he's scared, he's tired, he's hungry, he's worn out. We do that, don't we? We have mountaintop experiences, and then we fall into the trough. That's us. It's, it's normal. It's us. Well, the angel comes, gives him food and drink, takes care of him. Jesus cares. We used to sing an old song, Does Jesus care when my heart is pain, too burdened for mirth or song? And the answer would come back, Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. How do we know? The angel of the Lord and the way Jesus treated us. He also comes to Elijah when he tells him, Go tell King Ahaziah that, you're, that he's going to die for his sins. And then he appears to him again whenever the king tries to arrest and kill Elijah for making that pronouncement. The angel of the Lord says, you go ahead, I got you, I've got you. And then this stunning story, Sennacherib. You can look Sennacherib up on, online. Um, you know, Wikipedia is not always wrong, and so it's got a lot of stuff about him as well, I'm sure. But he's a very well-known, horrible person in history. And he would literally lead thousands of people into slavery with hooks in their cheek or hooks through their nose chained up to the person in front of them. He was, and the Bible will talk about that actually, he was awful. There, I don't know of a more brutal individual in history than Sennacherib. And he has launched a massive army against Jerusalem. The people are panicked, but God isn't. Please remember this. If you ever wonder, why isn't God moving fast on this? Look at this. Why isn't God moving faster? The answer is, he's not panicked. We can be afraid sometimes. He's not afraid. Look at this out of 2 Kings 19. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. It really doesn't matter what the king says. It doesn't matter how much army he's got. It doesn't matter. This is what God's going to say. He will not enter the city. He will not shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a shield ramp against it. By the way, he came, he'll return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. Now, that's important. It says, God's saying this, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. That night who shows up, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Wiped out one night. We were in Scotland during a lot of that time, but there was a big TV program here that was, I don't know how long it ran, called Touched by an Angel. I never saw an episode, but every time I saw the title, I thought of this. Not always a pleasant event, you know. Not always wonderful. The angel of the Lord 
Look at this, these passages in Psalms 34 and 35. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Enemies, may they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. God with us. In Zechariah, chapters 3 and 12, not between them, just chapters 3 and 12, the angel of the Lord promises, I will restore you. I will bring you back. You will be my people. I will be your God. And then the curtain comes down, and we never hear from the angel of the Lord again for 400 years. And then the silence of heaven cracks open. A tiny village, the most unlikely of places. The house of bread, Bethlehem, of no consequence. But that's where the rip in space-time occurs. That's where the angels pour through, suddenly flooding the sky and saying in chorus, peace on earth, goodwill to man. Why? Because of who is coming. Emmanuel, God with us, the angel of the Lord, this child is the messenger of God because this child is God. Would you stand with me as we read these passages out of John? And I've directed, uh, I didn't direct, he picked it, but I said, please, 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 please do it. He's going to sing a song which some of you reserve for Christmas. Stop it. I know that also some of you are opposed to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Stop it. Some of us like the baby Jesus. And you're going to have to meet him one day, so you might want to start getting ready singing. Anyway, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. So do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, so would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Where I am, there you may all, I, I, they cut off there. All right, we'll go back. You know the way to, no, no, it's too late now. Move on, <laughs> move on. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been around you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He is here. He has not retired. The angel of the Lord is encamped around us, and he has brought his army. Amen, church?